Hello again. This is the Centered and Sent podcast. I'm your host, David Simfukwe, and this is part two of the Acts chapters three and four series. Philip taught on chapter three last episode, and I'll go ahead and take over for chapter four. Uh, like I mentioned before, having both chapters three and four in one episode would have been a whopping three hours long, so definitely had to separate them. Uh, but in chapter 4, it continues with Peter um, and his story after he healed the lame beggar um, and then spoke to the crowd so that he could lead them to Jesus Christ. Um, but he and John in chapter 4 now have to answer and report to the Sanhedrin, which were the Jewish rabbis or teachers of that time who did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So uh, without further ado, here we go. Uh, please enjoy and God bless. Okay. So I was reading Acts chapter 4 here, and essentially Acts 4 takes place right after Peter heals the lame beggar and then chooses or preaches to the crowd that, um, that were there to witness it. You know, they were walking through the, uh, the city gates called Beautiful. I like that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after the sermon, Peter and John are forced to go in front of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin were a... Um, they were back in Jesus' times, back in those times, there were a group of elders or rabbis or teachers of the law, and they were appointed to sit in sit as a tribunal. A tribunal is a person with authority, basically a judge, mm-hmm. um, a, or not a judge, but like a set of judges. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, essentially the story continues um, from there as they are brought into the Sanhedrin in the temple guard, uh, the captain, you know, in front of those people. And so we start in Acts 4, and I'm just going to read. So, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. I'm going to stop there and explain what the Sadducees were. Um, so, yeah, for context, the Sadducees were the Jewish, uh, the Jewish people during Jesus' time that denied the resurrection of the dead. They denied the existence of spirits, and they denied oral tradition. Um, but they accepted only, or they accepted mostly only the uh, the written laws that were there, mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, so basically, Baptists who believe, who, who don't believe in Jesus apparently. But um, <laughs> so yeah, that's what that's who the Sadducees were. Mm-hmm. So continuing here, uh, verse two, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many uh, who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, so, um, so I'm going to keep reading here. The next day, the rulers, the elders, um, the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was and so were Caiaphas, mm-hmm. John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, as of if we were being called to account today for the, an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
So, starting with verse 8, uh, I'm just going to read it again. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and uh, elders of the people, uh, that first part, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, this goes back to uh, Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 11 through 12, which says, uh, Jesus is talking here, and he says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So my first question here is, um, can you remember a time where you felt the Holy Spirit take over for you, whether in speech or in act, in whatever moment, uh, heat of the moment that you were in? Um, and just as a extra here, this is usually marked by a moment where you know it's not something you would either <laughs> say or do, and it's really out of the ordinary for you. So does anyone? I'm not gonna say because I always have a lot, so. <laughs> I'll let some of the people over because I talk so much. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know. I think... Oh, man. I don't know what... Let me think of a different example. You think I'm not going to... Never mind. I'll share this example. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's, I think it was just like having a conversation uh, with Dad yesterday. It was really cool because many a times... You know, you you're talking to your um, elders, and you're like, "Can I say that? Right? Can I really say that? Is it something that is going to be disrespectful to them?" Amber can definitely attest to that. But it's really cool because when the Holy Spirit is there, um, He'll give you the words to use, and He'll often use um, His own word, the Bible, to confirm what you're saying. So you know that this is not you, but you also know that the authority that you're using is from God. And if the person is a believing person, they will also agree with you saying, okay, yes, I understand what you're saying. This is coming straight from the word of God. And even though it sounds harsh on the outside, it's something that they can take to heart, right? Say, this is not a conversation I was having with them, but say um, someone, you, you know that they're struggling with unforgiveness or bitterness or just evil words against another person. Um, you know, they, you, you know the words in Ephesians that say, you know, don't let any unwholesome talk come to you, uh, come out of you, right? So you're like, hey, here's what it says in Ephesians, right? This is the word of God, and, you know, these are the, the benefits out of the mouth come um, blessings and curses, as it says in James, and that should not be so, right? So you taking that, the word of God, and, uh, you know, having the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit come out, that's what I could say is a moment for me. Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, so especially when the Holy Spirit is using his own word to confirm what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the part where you're like, okay, can I actually speak to an elder in this way? Yeah. Right? And then, you know, there's no way that you yourself would have that confidence to say whatever <laughs> you want to say. Right? Yeah. So then when the Holy Spirit is there in agreement with you, yeah. that's when it Thank <laughs> you. 
I think like I went back, I read, and I was like, okay, let me click this. Um, I think that was like the Holy Spirit just telling me this. I'm just not sure about it. I've always questioned, is that cheating? <laughs> <laughs> like, no. you, you know what I mean? Like, you, he obviously knows everything, he knows the answer. Um, but like, you're. <laughs> He's a helper. You have, exactly. Because you have the faith in him, it's not like a person who's of the world is, doesn't have that same, because they can read the question as many times as they want, but nothing's going to come to them if they don't know it. Right? Yeah. It's so, called the, the favor of the Lord, because yeah. if you look at the, um, it's, it's called the favor of the Lord, it's the same concept, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God allows favor to fall from your life. It's not something that we deserve, it's just something that goes as a right of being his children because he wants to uh you know show you affirm like he wants to show himself affirm so that becomes a testimony to you in a sense it's a reminder of a booster saying that i am your god and i can do anything for you so those are the things because you seek me i'm gonna it's also a reward think about it because remember yeah. the last time when i took my test yeah. and i only had like you know an hour left and i needed about six points to pass and the only word that I had was, I'm going to graduate. But I was failing my class. I had a D in that class. Mm -hmm. So it was either pass or fail. And I needed C. So you got to understand. Some things don't make sense. <laughs> but when God says his word, everything has to come to pass. Yeah. It's favor. It's just the favor. When you seek God, he rewards you. And that's why I tell you guys, when you continue seeking him, you reap off everything, the benefits of being a child of God. Yeah. Hebrews 6. Um you have faith that God exists and He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Yeah, let me not accuse God of sinning as <laughs> But it was just always a question I've always had. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's the favor. He 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 shows up for His own. That's what He does. He shows up. That's why I brag about God all the time. That's why I tell you guys, it's your relationship with God. Run it the way you want it, because it's just the two of you. And the coolest thing about what I love about God is that. I don't have to feel like I have to share my God because it's yeah, just yeah. personable for me yeah. and it's carried to me. I mean, it might sound kind of like weird oh, and braggy, huge. but it's, it doesn't make me feel like I have to, you know, share him with anybody else, but I just feel like he's for me and that's just it. Like, I don't have to feel like he's taking his attention to Philip or David or whatever it is. I just know that he is for me and that's just my relationship with him. Like, he's my own husband, which is very interesting. I have taken that for granted. <laughs> to be honest with you, because you think of um, your parents, right? You're like, you you can go to them but when they're available. <laughs> <laughs> when they're available, mm -hmm. and half the time it's like you don't think that you, know, you may not think, oh, I'm worthy to approach them, or they're too busy to oh, give me. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's like I've never honestly thought of God like I was always just be, oh yeah, I can start talking to him, right? But yeah, when you compare it to like human relationships. I mean, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, I do like the fact that, yeah, you brought up the uh, conversation you had with Dad, and you brought up the word, but then you also brought up the, Rachel brought up the um, the real world example of, you know, being in class and whatnot, and that's the one I relate to as well is, um, so like every time I had to do a presentation or something like that, I just, I'm not a public speaker, I don't feel confident on those times, but um the last time I remember is I had to give a presentation in my uh, databases class. This is very technical stuff, and I'm just like, okay, 
I prepared, and so then I had my note card. This is the part that got me. Is that I had my note card, and so I'm like holding, boldly holding my note card, thinking oh, I get to use this up there. Last minute, my one of my partners was just like, "Yeah, you're not allowed to use a note card." Up there. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh," uh, and I'm like, "So what's gonna happen? She, she's gonna take a bunch of points off because you know you shouldn't you shouldn't read off the slides or you shouldn't have a note card. You should have everything memorized." I'm like, "This isn't fair." Okay. <laughs> So yeah, I put my note card down and then um, I just got up there and I just kept reciting the uh, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and a sound mind. Like that's always constantly, constantly. And then when I got up there, um, I was like the second to last to speak. I spoke, I still lost like two points for some reason, but I still did it. I still, um, even people like my friends in the crowd were cheering me on. But yeah, I got done with it. I'm just like, yeah, no, I don't remember what I said. Yeah. That was not me speaking <laughs> this entire time. Um, exactly. That's when you know, like, it's, it's God, when you yeah. can't explain anything. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and my second example is actually, um, so when I'm, whenever I'm giving advice to somebody or when I, um, whenever I, like, when they ask me how do I say this to someone so I, I don't come off the wrong way, I... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so in those moments, it's, it's not me like trying to, okay, I'm going to analyze this and do the technical whatever's and whatnot. No, this is definitely not me. This is, I read this and then the Holy Spirit comes into you know, my head and he starts saying, okay, um, this is how you can say this and just change these words a little bit here and there. And I believe now I'm just realizing that's exactly how he speaks to me <laughs> is like, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's how it is. So yes, uh, let's move on to verse 11 and 12. Jesus is, the, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So 11, the cornerstone. I never really understood this. I've heard this so many times, and it's a real building term, right? Um, so... Wikipedia definition of a cornerstone here is foundation stone or setting stone is the first it is the first stone set in the construction of a foundation this is the most important part all other stones will be set in reference to this stone thus determining the position of the entire structure so describing Jesus in this way perfectly defines what his purpose was when he came down to this earth he became the foundation on which we should be following, which he became the cornerstone, the, the reference stone in which we should be, um, you know, putting ourselves and, and um, referencing ourselves to so that um, if we, but however, this is the flip side of it. If we were to reject that cornerstone, if we were not to use Jesus's teachings and, and just not read the Bible, not seek the kingdom, um, our whole foundation would just not be there. Like we just would not, we would have, our building would just crash and come crumbling down because we just don't have that, that strong uh, foundation there for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for 12 years, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is a direct parallel for John fourteen six. Mm-hmm. I am the way, the truth, and what I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me 
that's basically it. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, nothing else, not works, not anything else but Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I like a, uh, something that uh, Pastor Joby said was, um, we, when we're, whenever we're about to go into heaven and everything, Jesus is gonna be like, this is my brother or my sister, and I you know, let him into the kingdom on behalf of me because I, Jesus, being the most perfect being can, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, he vouches for us. All we sinners will not be let into the kingdom of heaven if Jesus did not exist. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, so yes. Uh, do we have any questions about cornerstones? <laughs> I've learned about building. That's fun. Yeah. Do we still use them today? You know, because we have foundations, and you know, being on the construction site, uh, they put the formwork up and then they just pour the foundation. So do we still? I mean, I guess now it's what you said, the, the form work. Form work. For form work, that thing is probably what is known as the, uh, the cornerstone nowadays. Because mm-hmm. back then, that's, they put literally a stone right there, and then mm-hmm. everything builds around that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I have one. Uh, so I like how this one says, um, the cornerstones that you builders rejected. Mm-hmm. So those builders, what are they building without mm-hmm. Jesus? Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, that was a really uh, profound one for like new builders you know so they were building something so whatever they were building was not standing apparently because it was not the cornerstone or nothing so mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's what, that was pretty cool and this uh, the you builders rejected this is from um, Psalm 118 so now we see another parallel of Jesus in the Old Testament being there even before he was born, quote unquote. Um, so yeah. Okay, so moving on. Uh, 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, un, uh, unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. Okay, so 13 through 15. Um, I have another question. Has anyone here, or um, does anyone, why did I write it like that? Has anyone here felt like they were not good enough, not pure enough, not adequate enough, not equipped enough to either be a disciple or just simply tell someone about the gospel? I think I feel that. <laughs> That's not even a question. Like, every time I'm trying to get to my sermon, I'm like, I, uh, it was one of the questions that Philip uh, and I was touched. Like, he best believed. What, what did you say yesterday? Yesterday, you just went like, uh, you're always looking for perfection. Maybe you, you can start from somewhere and the consistency will increase mm-hmm. and you'll get better so you can find your voice mm-hmm. because it's, it's better not to, uh, it's better for you to do something, not, not to do nothing. Mm-hmm. That's what he was saying. But I think for me, I don't like to be accused of, uh, era in a sense yeah, so and I'm just like but I want to speak the truth but only the truth you know without anything being tainted yeah. and then I look at myself I'm like but I'm a sinner and I think those are the things that pull me off the line like when God tells me to do something immediately I feel like I sin like <laughs> immediately when, when God tells me to do something immediately I sin and I'm just like for that moment it's like that's what I was telling you guys like every time you have to surrender your flesh and go like no devil 
stop accusing me because immediately when you sin, like immediately if God tells me to do something and I find myself like, you know, uh, getting mad at somebody or whatever it is and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sinning. So then I feel like I don't have the authority to mm -hmm. go ahead with that sermon because first of all, I have some business that I didn't take care of. Mm -hmm. So what's the point of going to the front line in fact, so therefore the enemy comes and kills whatever that was and I just don't do anything about it. And I'm like, well, I'll do it better tomorrow. And tomorrow happens, and then something happens that's destructive. So it never happens. So I think it's just pushing through everything else. So yeah, I'm always constantly condemning myself. So. Yeah, I agree. I think especially when I am sharing, let's say I'm sharing the, the word or I'm debating with someone online, and I you know, the conversation either fizzles out or it just goes nowhere, at the end of it all, you're like replaying everything in your mm -hmm. mind. You're sitting there like, oh, I should have said it this way, I should have said it that way, I should have not said that, you know, it's like, there's just a lot of, you, you, at the end, you just feel inadequate. You feel like you, you didn't say what you were supposed to say, and you mm -hmm. feel like you actually made things much worse than mm -hmm. before. Um, and definitely that's a lie of the enemy, but in the moment, you, you just feel it. You feel... The wow. weight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. The accuser is always accusing you. Oh, this was not perfect. Yeah. Or this, you should have said this word. Because most of the times when God gives us a word, like a rumor word, I think that's why God, like a lot of people write the rumor word. But mm -hmm. when I'm praying, I kind of like try to recite my rumor word in my head. Yeah. And then most of the times I'm just like, I'm going to remember. And I remember just a little bit of it. Yeah. So I think that's why God, like it's good when you go in the form room of God, take notes. Because <laughs> God does download, he does download yeah. sermons. But I haven't gotten to the point where like I get my notes because I hate writing. I just like to focus on God. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. But I think God is teaching me how to have my pen and paper. Like when everybody gives me a sermon, at least I have my points on there, and that's what I'm learning. So yeah. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I agree as well. I, I definitely have felt uh, inadequate or just not equipped enough. Mm -hmm. Specifically equipped enough because. Um, I didn't really, until we started this Bible study, I never really studied the Bible. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I read it, I listened to it, and I just never, like, got into it the same way that I'm doing now, like, verse by verse, mm -hmm. uh, trying to figure out what I can understand from it. Um, and so then, even when we started, I still felt a little bit iffy, because I was, we, when we did start, we were more, read these verses, we'll talk about it when we get there, type mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And then, every time we came in, everyone was quiet, and spoke so now like now that I'm glad that we started to um, give ourselves verses to mm -hmm. focus on for yeah. the, for the you know the two weeks and, and just like because that that really does help a lot mm -hmm. um, but essentially I really that also was idea by the way that was mine <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> wow <laughs> okay um, but I, I also another thing was the gospel right mm -hmm. I believed and I, I feel like that's an issue that needs to be tackled from the from when your child is that when your child you don't really remember much you don't remember what you know what agreements you've made you don't remember that stuff but uh, that's why whenever I get asked oh when did you get saved or what what happened like I don't fully remember that she was just saying that uh, what was the story dad yeah, when dad in 2005, he pulled us into his room, he was praying, he pulled us into his room and he said, would you guys like to receive Christ? And they pulled us there too. And then all of us said, yes. So that's where I am. I don't know about... All of us were there too? 
Yeah, I, I believe all of us are. Right. I, I don't remember that. The only time that I remember giving my life to Christ is when I decided to bapt get baptized. I was 16 mm. years old. That's mm. when I remembered that I did it by myself. Oh. Like, and I really did it by myself because it was just me coming up without mm. anybody asking me. Because I remember going at that church and I actually walked in front and they said, who wants to give their life to Christ? And I said, me. And after that, they invited me to baptism. Have you been baptized? I said, no. So they put me in that. That's the only time that I remember. Like, that for me, that was a voluntary thing. And that's my thing is that it needs to be voluntary yeah. in the sense that you can also, like, pinpoint that. Because then when you go back to it, you, you like, uh, we were in the men's Bible study and there's this guy in there uh, recently got saved. I don't know how recently, maybe a couple of years ago. And he's like, I remember that. I remember feeling the Holy Spirit for a couple of days and I felt <laughs> just great about it. And so then I come back to myself and I'm just like, okay only thing I remember is being baptized at Arlington Assembly of God and I don't remember the feelings I don't remember anything so I like for it to be with my children like yes we start at a very young age we start implanting those seeds but when they become competent enough and, you know to remember these things mm -hmm. that's when we ask okay so we've been talking about this all these years um, how do you feel about it uh, do you have any questions okay now how uh, would you like to accept this man, this perfect being into your life as your Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. So then they can remember that for the rest of their lives and say, mm. okay. I would deny that. Yeah. The reason why I would deny that, because there's a danger in that. Um, the Bible says, train up a child the way you want them to be. So in that moment, a child's mind is always going to need Christ. So when you're little, your heart is always, like I told you right now, when I was younger, my love for Christ was different from the way it is now. Now it has more responsibility and it has more consequences, okay? When I was younger, it was so pure. That's why I always tell God, I'm like, how come my love for you when I was younger was really good? Like, I want to go back to the time it was like that. This time there's so much things going on in the dimensional aspect. So in that moment, when you're younger, you can remember the love that you have for Christ, even though you, don't, you might not remember. Because even the love itself is enough. Do you remember how you, felt about God, how you felt about God when you were growing up? How did you feel about God? the problem I've you don't remember so in, in your case that's fine but don't put your kids to the point where they have a right to do whatever because the bible has commanded us in our thing that we have to take care of our kids and protect them and that's your job so if you neglect to do that so in that moment when your kids are very vulnerable and they want to love god right then and then even though they might, might not remember so you may do another um baptism like for me i did another baptism because somebody accused me of I didn't understand. I didn't have that memory of that part. So I redid my thing because I didn't remember if I got baptized in the name of Jesus because I never understood the classes or whatever. So, and I did it by myself. So you can do another renewal by yourself. It's fine. But don't try to um, uh, wait in moments where you are going to do that because you might, you never know how life goes, right? Yeah. So um, you never know. Just do what God wants you to do. Just because you never experienced that. You're experiencing the revelations of God now in your grown-ups because that probably that's what God wanted that dimension to be. So every story is different. You, you find little kids who were so on fire for God and they spoke in tongues and they're just going on. And, you know, you see people who like, like um, you know, the pastor from uh, Next Generation, that one, the one that I used to watch a lot. Mm -hmm. Next Gen, remember? The pastor, the, the Russian uh, guy. Russia. That, yeah, he was a preacher at 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So it tells you a lot. You know, it tells you he was a preacher at 15 years old. He didn't understand fully, but he kept on doing until God transformed him, until he grew and became, you know, one of the most, you know, powerful, known uh, people. 
So it's not about what time, but it's all about encountering God. Sometimes you can be saved, but you don't have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then as you grow older and as your spirit awakens to to the 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 um the spirit of God in you, he you will have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And when you have that encounter, it changes your life forever. And I think you're having it, it's just a different story for you. Does that make sense? Everybody has a different story. You are having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And for you, it's more like an epiphany. That's the way it comes to you. It's like, oh, this is how God talked to me. Oh, da, 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 da. oh. It's like you get walled in little stages. And you're like, God has always been there for me all along. So you're having different encounters. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I have a different encounter with the Holy Spirit than you would. You have a different encounter with the Holy Spirit than you would. She has a different encounter with the Holy Spirit than she would. You know, she might remember certain things. I remember a lot of things about my childhood. But all I know is that I... I love God. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Like I had that passion for God. How come it's changing now? Those are the questions I ask myself. So it's just having an encounter with God. I think when God, uh, when you encounter, they always say there's a song with um, what's that? What's that lady's name? Uh, not Misty Edwards. My favorite singer. What's her name? Kim Walker. Kim Walker. Yeah. It's like, you know, she says. Um, when you have an encounter with the Lord, your life is never the same again. That song, that part, you know, and it's true. You just have to have that. That's what the Bible says. The more you seek Him, the more you find Him. So you have to, you know, it's it's called sanctification. You are going to have that glory as you pursue Him more. That's just the way it is. You might not see, but I see it in you. Like I see that. You remind me of sometimes. You remind me of myself when you're right to have encounters especially at school where i would speak or wherever i'll do that the whole school take over and or whenever i had a conversation with some lady some random lady and then this guy was asking me like how did you know about her life i knew that moment that the whole school took over so god is showing you himself he's showing you his heart but you have to recognize who god is who's okay. doing whatever he's doing you're, you're correct in the sense that turn up a child in the way that he go and it will not depart from them. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. Because I think of Max, and I think this is what David's talking about, you can grow up where your parents build up this mm -hmm. relationship with God, they model it in front of you, and they take you to church and they tell you to do this, but it's ultimately your decision. Mm -hmm. So Max, what he pointed out is he realized this wasn't his faith. This is his mom's faith that he was living. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I don't actually believe any of this stuff. And mm -hmm. for example, uh, with Jordan, Jordan and um, some friends, uh, they started getting into drugs, but they'd always been going to youth group, mm -hmm. which just showed you like, again, they were around this, they were around God. Mm -hmm. They just did not make that decision for, for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, Ultimately, I don't know if that's what David's talking about, like he didn't feel it, because dad was pretty open about his faith and praying and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But it, it just now is when he's pointing out that this is where I'm realizing that my faith is important and my relationship personally with God is important and I need to personally pursue it. Mm -hmm. um, but you get a lot of people who realize, I'm, I was only doing this for my parents. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I also felt is that like, never felt like it was genuine. me or never felt genuine because it was always David do this David. no we let's do this let's mm -hmm. do that let's do this I'm gonna take like the stuff that we did together and mm -hmm. you know instill it on my children as like praying at night together and mm -hmm. stuff like that but it never all it, like uh, 
explained this like last year is like it never felt genuinely me that's I guess yeah that's well because what happens is like every just like every parents your parents train you out they're your legal guardian you as a child you don't have the rights for anything so therefore mm -hmm. yes it does sound kind of like they're making you do stuff yeah. because God has installed, has given them that right. Mm -hmm. Even in the government, we know that before you're 18, you have to be a certain way. So therefore, of course, they're gonna dilute your mind. They're gonna make you like <laughs> them. They're gonna do all that stuff. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, don't forget that part. Don't be so um, open to the point where mm. you endanger, you know the calling that God has called you as a patriot in that family, right? Mm -hmm. So regardless of anything else, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to tell you is like, yeah, God has, even though you gave your life to Christ, even though you did not feel it, you're feeling it now because God has remembered you. Just like um, God has, God remembers, okay? Because mm -hmm. he goes like, at, at this age now, you're becoming my bride. He knows that. Just like the, you know, the, 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 the woman that God, um, God describes, you know, I dressed you up. You were naked, and I dressed you up. I remembered you, and I betrothed you, and da 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 da. I don't know um, what Ezekiel. So God is reminding you. I am dressing you up. I am doing this to you. I am changing you. You know, some people have an encounter with God when they're younger. Some people don't. Yeah. But regardless of anything else, it's just what God has appointed you to get to know Him. He knew you were gonna be His. Like God knew yeah. you were gonna be His. He was just waiting for you. God waits for us all the time. It's like we get into that rebellious stage. Like I've, I've seen it. There's a moment where you just go like, sometimes I get jealous because I'm like, some people surrender to God so easily, like in the 20, 21s, and they go like, and their life is so, like not perfect, but they're so on fire for God and just like, oh my gosh, like you can see that little 22 year old, I think now she's 25. But at that time she was like pretty young. But you see all these people because at the moment they realize it's called surrender. You already gave your life to Christ, but you didn't surrender. You know what I'm saying? You just didn't surrender. So when you start surrendering, that's when you start realizing. Surrender is realizing that Jesus is the way out of my situation. Whatever it is that I'm going through, he's the answer for everything. That's basically what it is. So you're learning how to surrender. You're learning the truth. The more you, it's like an onion. The more you layer out the truth, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see this. Again, another onion comes, oh my gosh. Because God works on character to build character and character. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a right to raise your kids the way you want to, but I would suggest that you ask the Holy Spirit how to raise your own kids. Yeah. I'm just giving out, you know, the danger in thinking that, you know, because you have a right as a parent from that age, whatever you want to do to your kids, okay? Unless if they're 16 years old and sign their rights and we're like, oh, mm. no, but you're right as a parent right now. If your child comes out, even if they don't know the truth, but they're out of zeal for that moment, they go like, I want to give my life to Christ because everybody's giving their life to Christ. That's fine. So yeah, I think, yeah. No, I think you guys are, honestly, you're saying the same thing because um, you're, you're, the goal as a parent, biblically, is set up the environment where the gospel is preached and mm -hmm. practiced, um, but also be ready to understand that it is that person's personal uh, that child's personal moment in, this, in deciding to follow Jesus because mm -hmm. you know you ultimately can't force anyone to change their heart mm -hmm. they can you know, practice the things but ultimately it becomes a heart issue. exhibit a we're gonna give you an example I'll give you an example of Seth if we let Seth get a lot of stuff all the time yeah. and if we if we don't control what goes in his brain oh yeah what will happen they think about it 
Like if you don't go to trouble, go. Well, I'm not saying like yeah. we don't do that. I'm saying like I, I like I said before, you implant all those things and you, and you do that and, and you try to train them up as you know you would in uh, in biblical times and, and whatever the Bible says. But what I was saying was that personal decision mm-hmm. is that that's what I'm saying. You're saying that yeah, we surrender. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, whenever we're when I said competent enough, I meant like. Like to, 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 the point where, to understand. Yeah, to the point where you understand that I'm what I'm doing. Yeah, what am I doing? Like mm-hmm. you, you can like I said, when you're a child, you just agree. But like when you get to that point where you can actually agree and understand that, but you you are correct in in saying that. Um, um, you know, from a young age, you should uh, have your child accept Christ into their life because later on in their life, they'll start to. Um, God will start to work in them so that you, they may uh, surrender themselves more and more, um, yeah. as I'm, uh, as you pointed out, that I'm doing now. Um, yeah. And the other thing is not even just that. It's not that. So the the the, the point that you took out, and Holy Spirit help me. The point that you took out. I'm looking at your young self, right? In that moment, you might not remember what you felt like, but I know that God tugged your heart and you agreed to it. So it's not like a dimensional, one-sided thing. There was something that was in your heart that wanted Jesus regardless. Does that make sense to you? Because you might not remember that moment of whatever it is that you, that told you and whatever it is, but there was something in you that was accepting. It might not have been, you know, a full surrender, but part of you as a little kid wanted God. Does that make sense? Because you're so safety in it. So you might not remember what happened in that moment. I think for you, it's just you're dealing, you're wanting that epiphany of experience of whatever somebody experiences when they meet Jesus. I see that all the time on the TV when we see the thing and people get excited and they do all that stuff. And I'm like, I never felt that before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I've, I've, I've seen those on videos, the way they make them. And I'm just like, wow. I was like, really? That's, that's the way it was? You know, it's, it's a question that I say because I think everybody expects this glorious thing but some people come with excitement some people come with like okay i gave my life to christ now what you get what i'm saying so for me when i i remember i had a love of christ i remember philip told me about the fact that we all said you want to give our life to christ but i don't remember that part i just remember when i was 16 years old i was tired of being rebellious (laughs) okay and i said did i stop being rebellious no it was the first surrender the first realization, there's something wrong with my heart and I need help. And I needed God. And people kept on telling me God. So what I'm trying to say, I'm not denying what you're saying, but I'm saying like, as a child, there must have been something that you thought about Christ. That you didn't fully understand it. Just like when we asked Seth, you know, have you given your life to Christ, Seth? Why did you give your life to Christ? See, he doesn't know that. But he knows that he needs Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, as a, a young child heart, we always know that we need Jesus because of the representation that God has brought in our lives. So, Seth is still getting a revelation. He gave his life to Christ because, guess what? Mm-hmm. We watch what we do. Like, we watch our siblings do whatever. We watch our parents give their life to Christ. But there's something in you that drew you closer to God, even though you might not know it. If you ask the Holy Spirit to take you to that moment, he'll take you to the past. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, he will show you your heart in the past, which is kind of crazy. But does that make sense? I'm not trying to um, I'm not trying to baffle your uh, wanting your experience. I feel like God is going to give you more experiences of His revelation as you 
draw closer to him and i think that will be your marking point of you and god and i believe that it is a marking point of you and god because i've been in the position that you've been so i see it but you might not see it because i understand more because i've been in that level before so you keep on going from glory to glory and that's what it is but if you ask me ultimately i feel like god is doing a wonderful work in your life like it's so mighty and powerful sometimes i'm just like shaking my head i'm like I was like, do we even know? Does he know who he is? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we don't know who we are until, you know, there's some people who can see who we are. Like for me, I didn't see who I was until Miss Brenda kept on telling me about that. But I didn't believe what she said. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that's exactly where I'm at. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so going back to 16, yes. Um, so actually, we're gonna go back to 15, um, 13 through 15 actually. And that in, in 13, they were saying, um, John, uh, Peter and John, uh, they, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, um, for those who do feel inadequate and feel um, you know, just unschooled, ordinary, they feel like they're lesser than whoever it is and they just don't feel holy, quote unquote, um, it's that Jesus will use any, Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the, he will use anybody. It doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter how you've been, where you grew up, if you had the worst childhood ever, or even if you had the best childhood ever, he'll still use you so that he can show glory into his kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter that, uh, it, it, that actually gives me confidence because the merit or education or whatever status that I'm at right now doesn't mean anything in the kingdom of heaven because when I get there, everyone's on the same level, right? Mm -hmm. So um, all we really need to do is just have faith and confidence and continue to being, uh, continue to uh, uh, seek and, and, and grow in our own salvation so that we may, uh, not our own salvation, but our own faith so that we uh, just trust in him more and more every single day and everything else will just fall perfectly into place for us. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so in, in moving on to chapter... Uh, verse 16 what are we going to do with these men they asked every everyone living in Jerusalem knows that uh, knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it but to but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people we must warn them to speak uh, warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name in this name then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Um, so question for you guys. Have you ever been stopped by some outside authority from speaking out? Uh, whether this was about the gospel or just something else that you believed in. I don't want to hear from Rachel on this one. Like, has any authority, like a teacher or someone, just told you uh, maybe this is not the time or something like that? No? Good. No. Wow. Okay, you guys have some coasty vibes. Huh? No, I think for me it's like, again, on Facebook when, say, you're Honestly, you're supporting uh, President Trump, and everyone knows that. So it's one of those uh, moments where people will try and shut you down and say, you know, why are you supporting this person? Why are you, as a Christian, how can you support such a person? And so 
when and when people at you like I literally let it happen like somebody literally had a post where they're like they said some outlandish claim about the president and I'm like and he's like where are you Philip simply put Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I mean, I fell for the bait, hundred percent. But it was an interesting conversation because then, then it pulled another person into the mix, and even that person, who I thought was a Christian, because they were like, "What did what did Philip Simpler say?" Right? Mm-hmm. Um, even that person turned on me as well. So it really just showed <laughs> everyone's colors, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like you knew the people who called me out. You knew what they were about. They've been. Oh, and people said Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, it's always politics. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, Yami, you have moments uh, at your old jobs where you talk about God and then your managers would just be like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think one of the biggest things that people try to do to me personally is my mouth only speaks about God. Like, everything that I have is all about God. So whenever I speak, people tell me, why do I have to involve God in everything? So mm. I'm like, well, um, that's how my life runs, mm. you know? And going back to the cornerstone, who's your cornerstone? Who's in your mouth? Who's in your brain? Who is anything? So, and those are the things. I mean, for me, I just, um, it, it goes in a different dimension because like my life, uh, I try to fill my life with the Holy Spirit all the time. And then therefore, whatever comes out, you know, the Bible says, out of the heart flows issues of the life. So whatever comes out, who's coming out? Is it God or is it the situations? Whatever it is, whatever you uh, feel yourself more is what's going to reflect more. Just like whatever those people feel themselves more is what comes out of their heart. So it's not that, it's not that, that they were, it's not that the situation just revealed who they serve. That's it. So everything else that you do reveals who you are, who's your foundation. Mm-hmm. So in NASA, who goes back to you and yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard. But go ahead. That's yeah, that's good. good. Um, so um, referencing verse nineteen here, where it says, uh, "Oh, there it is." P- but Peter and John replied, "Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges." So. Um, that I believe is a reference also to uh, uh, it's funny because this is later on in Acts in Acts chapter 10 where it basically says God is not a respecter of persons mm-hmm. he um, this is yeah he's not a respecter of persons that's Acts 10.33 so we have to remember that God's commands take precedence and are always first to be executed in whatever line of decision making that you have mm-hmm. um, so whenever God tells you to you know say something do something or anything like that you shouldn't let, well, we do this, but we shouldn't let our flesh, we shouldn't let any other person around you, we shouldn't let any other outside force influence whatever your decision is. Um, and I say here, do not allow authority to silence you in the moment. Obviously, you can be as respectful as you can, um, uh, and but at the same time, if God allows it in that moment, he will grant you the grace and the mercy to get through whatever um, he tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Right, so like he, it's it's people who say, oh, um, I'm about to go on a mission trip. I have not, I have no idea what I'm doing or anything like that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this doesn't do with, uh, with this has to do with you uh, o- uh, obeying God, right? In in that moment, because um, I love your quote, or actually, I don't know if it's in the Bible or something, but uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. Yeah. 
It's in the Bible, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Obedience <laughs> is better than sacrifice, right? So in that moment, yes, you're sacrificing um, whatever people think of you or you're sacrificing maybe your position of authority if you're a CEO or not even a CEO. If you're a, you know, lesser in the company, if you're an employee, um, you might sacrifice your whole job. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you were obedient to God. And in that moment, he will find you an even better job or an even better opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right? So. Yeah. Um, okay. And so moving on, 21, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't have anything for that one. <laughs> uh, all right. So. And this one is next. This one's called the believers pray, and this is where they're starting to pray for uh, confidence and boldness to speak out. So, um, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, Sovereign Lord. They said, "You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them." You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Uh, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen. 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 So I only have a comment to say about this one. It's I've started to show great appreciation for praying the word of God out loud. Um, And right here um, for Acts 23 Acts chapter 4 22 through 30 is um, it's a great example of where like in the in the heat of whatever moment that you're at if you need confidence right if you're put in the spot for preaching teaching or you're about to be in a religious argument like Philip does on Facebook mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or you're about to just give a biblical presentation like the one we do um, every other Sunday um, you can honestly just pull this up Pray it out loud before you're about to go on, and the fact that you know you even say, "Just give me the boldness, uh, allow us, uh, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness," and the Holy Spirit will immediately just change your life. And that's what it says here. After that, on verse 31, it says, "After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly." Um, and that's literally what I do. That's that's why I like when we pray before. We're, um, we pray and worship before mm-hmm. because even when I'm going into pray and worship, it's like a nerves, right? I get very fearful. I know it's like we're family here, but at the same time, you still don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. it feels great to know that I can relax, right, in that moment. And then when I come back here, I feel more confident and able to say, okay, this, I wrote this down. Let me just share it with others. And that's basically all I'm doing. I think all of us, we have issues. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. have issues. Now, I think I love how it says now, Lord, consider the threats 
and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I've heard people, uh, pastors say, uh, actually Pastor Todd, he said like, you know, listening to the churches in these persecuted countries, they are, they're not asking for us to pray that the persecution stops. They're asking that, you know, like, no, like let the persecution go because it allows them to be more effective in how they, they preach the gospel. It allows them to be on their toes and to have that same boldness that, you know, Peter's talking about, right? Because he, he didn't say, no, consider the threats and stop allowing them to threaten us. It's like, no, consider the threats and let us push forward um, because um, this is what you called us to, right? Mm-hmm. So threat or no threat. Oh, that's a good point. Consider the threats. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. I think in um, chapter five, if I'm not mistaken, the I think the second time that they do that to them, they get, they actually get excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that was so funny. I was like, this is kind of weird. But they actually took delight because they were like, the name of God is you know being you know spread mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So yeah. I was like, okay. Yes. Um, let's see here. All right. So moving on to t- thirty-two through thirty-five. Uh, the believers share their possessions. Oof, this one's gonna get real dicey because I got a story. Uh, mm-hmm. So all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claims that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From t- uh, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. Um, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Okay. So before I share my side, question. Think about the most valuable thing that you own most physical whatever or um yeah whatever you own think about what's most valuable to you or think about the object that you have put the most time and effort into um the time and effort yeah you know put so much effort so much blood sweat tears everything into over your lifetime um or recently it could be physical digital a youtube account a video game a video game system uh, a house or car that you literally are so close to being paid off um yeah so now my question is would you be willing to give that thing up for the kingdom of god Mm, for me i would say yes um because i don't i'm not a a person like i don't value stuff yeah so i value people more than stuff that's what it is um so for me, I don't have a problem with that. Like I can give anybody anything. I don't have a problem. Like I value people a lot. Uh, but when it comes to, that's what I told you. I think for, for me, I value people. I think that's why I have a hard time with the issues that I have because I'm a people pleaser in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that, um, well, I've, I've actually listened on that because I, I noticed that's why I used to do like validation and stuff. So I've listened on that. But when it comes to just, um, I care a lot about people, so things don't matter. If we're gonna argue about stuff, mm-hmm. if, if 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 I had an argument about stuff, then I'll let go of the stuff so you can be happy. That's me. Mm-hmm. Like I will just come off because I, I value my relationship with you more than I value the stuff. Mm-hmm. So I value your weight in anything. Just like my auntie, 
you know, she was really surprised last time. She was like, I don't understand you and your mom. You guys are so alike. Somebody can cuss you up and do everything and you come back like a, like, basically she said, like a dog. Like nothing ever happened. So, and I was like, because I value my relationship with you. I can't take you away anywhere. So therefore, I deny myself and want to mend that relationship. Things are difficult, yeah. People are very difficult, but there's nothing you can do about it. If you gotta feed them, you always constantly, it's all about surrender. You constantly have to surrender because you're like, because I love you, I have to deny whatever things that you've done and then keep on moving. So those are the things. You know, my auntie comes out and sometimes I feel rage. Like, I'll still think about it. You know, her telling me what to do and doing all that stuff. But because she's my auntie and that's what she feels her voice is and she values. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna listen to what you say, but I'm not gonna take it. You know, I'll listen to what you're saying. It makes sense because you live in the physical world and that's what the natural world wants us to do. So that's fine. So I go, I meet you the way you are, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's not, and I, I have to think about it, it's like, am I being condescending? Because I don't want people condescending me either. Mm -hmm. But it's because I know what kind of character you are, so I'm not gonna do anything about it. In order to keep peace, then I have to avoid, like not avoid, but I, I won't respond to your things. Mm -hmm. So would you, a person who values relationships and people more, if God said to let go of that person, would you be? Yeah, I will. For God, I will. Because if God thinks that it's not worth it, no matter what, if it's family or whatever, I will. Because at the end of the day, yeah. If God hasn't called me, just like, I think Cindy Tree was talking about that. Like, if things are very toxic, that, I mean, of course, the, the most people don't understand how they are. So, but if things are very toxic, that's why people would go like, oh, you're a Christian. But sometimes it has nothing to do with Christianity. It has to think about you attending my life too. So what are you doing? So those are the things that if God were to tell me to do, yes. Yeah. But there are seasons for it. And I can tell when God wants something out of it. It's just the way. That's why I'm like, oh my gosh. It's called pressure. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Because um, I know <clears throat> many a times it's like, it's hard, like, you know, mine obviously is uh, video games. So when God's like, okay, uh, go ahead and not play this and then do this other thing, um, it is a fight because it's something that I'd always been doing for like a long time. So it's like, okay, moving into that direction of, okay, uh, this is what God wants. This is what I, and, and it's funny because like whenever you do, you, you feel the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. you like, yeah, like, okay, like even now, um, like if I say I want to sleep longer, I'm like, why am I fighting with God? I'm just, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what am I, what am I accomplishing here? So, yeah, ultimately, yeah, those are well, to me, those are the two things. Yeah, yeah you're right. Because yeah. after this fast, I was like, I can't go backwards. You can't do anything backwards. You just keep on going forward. So yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> what do you value the most? What do you like the most in this world? My friends, my family, my uh, my drawings. Okay. Themes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you question? Yeah, I was about to ask you a question. I thought I was still thinking. Oh. My deep voice. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, would you be willing to just give all of that up, friends? family, all of that, if God said, forget about them, just follow me the entire time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Will you? Mm -hmm. 
So how come you didn't want to speak in tongues? Because <laughs> God wanted you to speak in tongues. Why do you deny that part? Even your your own decisions, your own, you know, how you feel, how your feelings. Yeah. You'd be able to just give those and just say, hey, God, use me, do whatever you need. Be honest, would you? It's okay, because you will, you will learn, but as of this moment. Yes. You hear? Yes. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. You speak in tongues one day. Ah, ah, ah. You will. What do you like, Ray? What? What do you like? Oh, let's say, yeah, what do you desire the most? Yeah. I think time. Like, I spend time with people. Time? I think, yeah. So do you desire people to spend time with you? comes, that's the real test, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to smoke anymore. Hmm, here's a cigarette. <laughs> do, right? I can talk about that temptation in the moment. Like, um, um, what was it? Like, I would say this. Mm, when we went to dinner last time, and then, okay, I was on fast. The temptation of not drinking that little thing. I wanted so much to go into the whole drinking, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a temptation because I'm like, I haven't been anywhere in a while. I haven't done that. So the risky part, I feel like sometimes God works everything together for His good. Because I thought about it, it's like even if we went went to the winery, and I was like, the whole point of the winery is to drink wine. <laughs> so it's kind of like a trap in it. So then I thought about it, like, well, God did block it from everything else, you know. And that's what I thought about it. Because I was like, okay, no, God knows this. <laughs> so it was kind of like one of those moments. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was really interesting. For me, I think that was a temptation at the same time. Because God knows what I like. I like, you know, I like fine things and I like to drink. Okay. So and I'm like, why was I doing all those setups? But I wanted Rachel to have fun. And I was trying to see if I was going to have self-control too. <laughs> so I was kind of like, that's one of the So, yeah, the speaker. Uh, we all agreed that we would give the speaker away to someone, donate or sell, doesn't matter which one it is. But mm-hmm. whenever I, when I put it up there, initially my first, 
my my initial um, what was it decision my initial I, I completely agreed to giving it away I was fine with that but I just wanted to fix it up first so that we can you know make sure the cables work and all that stuff I was literally putting tin foil on the <laughs> ends which works and that's why I was like man I'm a genius <laughs> didn't realize this would work but it worked so after spending so much time you know cutting the thingies and just putting it all together I plugged it in and everything sounded great um, so then I started thinking hmm put a lot of time and effort into this thing I've, I've you know thought about it and then I've had the excited reaction of seeing it actually work in front of me why don't I just keep it you know it's simple sounds like a simple decision in my head right because it's just like okay let me just keep it because then what's the point we're just going to give it away anyways so then fast forward uh, we talk Philip and Bianca and I talk about it and we're just like oh yeah I made the decision to keep it and that's when Bianca was kind of checked my heart a little bit because that's when I revealed to her that, oh yeah, I decided to keep it because I've spent so much time and effort into this thing. And so then that's when she said to me, that's not right. Because again, remember the original decision was to give it away. And my original, you know, I felt the need to fix this thing so that the next person who gets it can have something working. Mm -hmm. And then I make it work. And then I'm just like, oh no, just give it to me because I put all this time into it. It's mm -hmm. mine now. Yeah. That's not right. That's a that's a covetousness. And it's funny because I always think of myself as not a jealous person, <laughs> um, I, personally, because I'm just like, okay, this thing they have this thing, and you guys might say, oh, you buy so many electronics. It's just like I'm trying to get the better thing of something I already have. Mm -hmm. um, and I do it more of like I do research on whatever the product is, and I try to get something better um, mm -hmm. uh, based on spec specifications. And but then I came to the realization that, yeah, that is covetousness. That is not right. That is not the original decision. And I cannot do that. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, whatever. I'm just going to give this thing away as is. But then I'm like, that's still not right either. Because <laughs> again, I told myself I'm going to fix this for somebody else. So now I'm on the path of still fixing it up, making sure everything works, and also giving it away. Mm -hmm. And whatever your heart does, you have to do it to the fullest extent, mm -hmm. right? Because like I can sit there and fix it angrily, mm -hmm. which would make me do uh, more damage than good, mm -hmm. right? And I might break something, and then what? Right. So, but I can sit there and fix it uh, calmly, correctly, do it right the first time, so we don't have to do anything about it, and then just give it away, mm -hmm. right? And I can even forfeit the and go a step further and forfeit the whole point of selling it to make something back, right? Because that's mm -hmm. another thing. Mm -hmm. And I can just say, okay, we're donating this instead. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, actually, maybe we—it's given, so you oh, can so give. giving out. Well, the whole point is understanding, like, um, yeah, it was supposed to be given out, so there's nothing wrong with anything. It's just giving out. Yeah. So the whole thing is, um, how the first intention—it's the intention of the heart. That's basically what it was. The whole thing is because, like, a lot of people, when we have something, right, and we see that that thing is so good like you go have you ever been to you go to the store and you're like oh i'm gonna oh i'm thinking about like i'll just go like i'm thinking about rachel i'm gonna buy her this nice dress and i see it and then i'm like oh it will look so nice on rachel then i start looking at it oh but um you know maybe it looks good on me yeah. <laughs> you know and then i take the dress and i walk away and i'm like well i'll buy her next time yeah. but your intentions that was wrong that was wrong because and that's the little thing that's what it's called the holy spirit just like the next chapter we will learn about, you know, uh, Ananias and his wife. 
you know, the intentions of the heart. If they just say, okay, uh, we kept some money, God would have given them and go like, okay, that's fine. But because they, on top of that, lie. And they try to cover up that lie. And to me, that was very dangerous because I was like, whoa, whoa, Holy Spirit, like you killed them people right up front. Like they died on that spot. And in that part, I was just like, oh my gosh, all the things that we do to the Holy Spirit when we say, like especially in my 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 mouth when I was like, oh God, if you give me a chance, I'll record a video and I'll do it this Friday. Then I'll put it up and I'm not doing it. But actually, when you see me, you are slowly killing yourself. It might not be right then and then, but you are closer to death than anything. Does that make sense? So in that moment, I was like, this is gone crazy. So when I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm lying to the Holy Spirit. Because I said, Holy Spirit, if you help me, I'm going to do this for you. Mm -hmm. I still haven't made that video. <laughs> so it's like we become so lenient with the word of God and we think that it's okay to do certain things that the more you get in tune with the Holy Spirit the more you see the deepness of something because you get the revelation and the Holy Spirit convicts of you and tells you no that's what I was thinking about even the $20 I was like mm, let's put it back in there because I was like the mindset is like I want to use it I want to do this da, da, da. I was like well they don't know about it so what they don't know but God sees everything oh, that is in yeah so you do that. It's like God sees everything that is in your heart. He sees every wickedness that's in there. They might not know, but God knows. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's, for me, that's the part that gives me peace. Because I'm like, they might not know, but God is knowing it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, no, don't even do it. Like, don't even try. Just leave it alone. <laughs> so. And it also taught me, like, no matter how much work I put into something, I need to learn to just let it go. That's why I brought up the, so you're so close to paying off this house or this car or something. And God tells you to sell it mm. immediately. You're just like, ah. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, I paid for this and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, so much no. work. Because mm -hmm. then, as you brought up as well, what if God is trying to give you something better mm -hmm. in the moment? What if he's trying to teach you, let go of this thing so that you can, um, so that I can give you something better, so I can trust you it's with something, something more, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's what the Bible says. You have to have a giving hand. If you don't give, you will not. You know, you have to give. You have to freely give. A cheerful giver. You give out of the heart. You know, even out of the heart flows about the abundance of life. So you give from your heart. Because God is the one who sees the heart. Like, even when we do something, I, I don't know what it was. I forgot something. Uh, like, when you do something. Oh, yeah, the example was Rachel. Whenever she was at the store, uh, when she worked, whenever she was like, well, I just have to do it for the thing. So that's another dimension of the heart. Like, what's in your heart? Are you doing it with all your heart? Or are you just doing it because you just want to do it? So those are the things that we do. We can be on the outside doing action, but how is our posture when we're doing those things? So ministry comes from the heart. <laughs> it doesn't come from the outside. God is the one who is watching you and your darkness by yourself. Like, it's him and you who who is actually seeing that. On the outside, you might look like you... You're, you're a nice person, but how's your heart? That's why I'm always open about my heart, because I'm like, my heart, my heart is really evil. And when I see the evilness in my heart, I'm like, I need Jesus. Then I'm like, God, I don't want... Like, most of the times, I'm always praying constantly. I'm like, God, I don't want to feel like the way I'm feeling. Why am I feeling like this? Why am I acting like this? Why am I so evil? Why am I so mean? You know, why am I so jealous? Why am I like this? I asked myself those questions. I was like, what in the world is going on? I was like, why am I so tempted? Get rid of this stuff. Like, create me a clean heart. Like, all the time, constantly, I'm like, I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I cursing? You know, things like that. <laughs> He's like, who am I cursing at? Is this me? This is crazy. So those are the things that we do. So, yeah, that's 
it's out of the heart. Yeah, I, I have one more verse. Um, the person, uh, the per, uh, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Mm -hmm. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Mm -hmm. So like, God is very, this is Proverbs 11, 21. Uh, there's yeah the wisdom in that in, in, in um, when you're hoarding a lot of stuff you're hoarding 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 spending all this money and you will run to poverty but when you give freely as your guys are saying you have you leave room for God to bless you even more with something that, uh, even better uh, than you could potentially have mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it came to the clothes too like the clothes i had those clothes for years and years and god was like give those clothes away and i was like it was buckets of clothes because i was like when i go to zambia uh no god was like it's my hand to shop and give you whatever you want like yeah. think about it like i have buckets of new clothes most of the clothes were like new you never wore them no because i buy clothes and sometimes they don't fit uh, so and that's what happens and i still have that bad habit too like i don't want to turn my stuff because i'm like i'm gonna keep them it's just a habit. So, and I noticed like right now, I still have the same habits. The I same thing. I was like. Yeah, which <laughs> God told me to clean my jar. No, God tells me. Okay, like, okay. He tells me. Like, God told me to clean my jar now. Because, like, I have stuff that I just. That's why you see me all the time. I give stuff away. Because I've learned that, you know, I shouldn't hold on to something. What am I holding them for? They just clothes. Like, somebody needs them from here. I don't know who needs them from America. Why do I have to wait for Africa? Is God time too short for them to be dressed up? So, and those are the things that we think about because we want to be validated by what we can give and what outcome we have. I think that's the main issue. Like, I need to take care of my family, but God has been taking care of them all over the world. When are you so, irre when are you so relevant that you, they need your little help yeah. when they've been struggling all the time and then they've been okay without you? But yeah, you've got the potential to help them. Go ahead, help them because you have a hand to help. But being tedious with certain things, I don't think the whole spirit life. So, and that's the thing that I'm learning. And if people make you feel good, that's explaining to Philip. My auntie tells me, oh, your mom is getting old. My mom is not getting old. What is wrong with you? She's getting old and she's going to need land. Da, da, da. I say, God has been always a provider. Let God be the provider. When, I, when it's my time to bring that provision, because God will, I think God intertwines, just like all of us. He intertwines, okay, this person has less, this has more, and then it shifts. It's a shift that happens. He knows when that other person needs that other person. Mm -hmm. There's a shift dimension that happens, and that's what I've learned. Like, not always you're going to have a hand that gives. Somebody is going to have to give you. If you're a giver, that's what I've noticed. Mm -hmm. If you're a giver, somebody will bless you, and I've been blessed. Closing my eyes, sleeping, waking up, and I can brag about it. So, yeah, <coughs> it might not be the way that I want to be blessed, mm -hmm. but it's the way God sees fit for that transition that I'm going through. So yeah. Gotcha. Okay, last two verses or last few verses. Yeah. Well, I don't really have anything for those last few. Um, it's it's just a reiteration of the last uh, section there, and um, the believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Wait. Okay. Thirty-six. Thirty-six. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This man owned a field. I'm sure it takes so much work to just tend to a field mm -hmm. and still 
just you know gave it away freely. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also a beautiful contrast because the next chapter is Rainbow Singers and Nice and Spiders, and they did the same thing, but they had ulterior motives. Yeah, they, they so kept something. Yeah. Nice contrast. Can I actually ask a question? Um, this is gonna tap. It's gonna get into your mind. One of the biggest things uh, I know a lot about uh, <laughs> David's heart a lot because you know the Holy Spirit revealed a lot about his heart. So now this is just gonna be directly to you because I believe that God does something so He can shape our hearts. Like it's a stretch of faith, but it's also a heart issue that He brings out. Like something that is hidden in everyone. So like one of the biggest things, um, if I remember and recall, and this is about giving, giving things. And being in a position of being emptied out and being able to sacrifice in that sense. That sense. So um, I know that David came in and ran in and took bills, right? I know that Philip's heart is more softer than um, David's heart. Philip's heart will not speak what is going on in his heart unless if you actually see it on his face. And then you're going to be like, okay, somebody has an issue over here. That's how I was able to discern Philip. Like, I know something is bothering him because he. When people have issues, they react a certain way. Mm-hmm. Their demeanor changes. It might not be intentional, but the friction just happens. Like you just feel friction. Mm-hmm. So I remember when Philip, um, when you have to empty it out. My question to you is that it's a humbling situation, but this is a hard thing. Um, my question to you is, how do you feel every time that your money is, you make more money than David, mm-hmm. but your money is always emptied out, all of it? How? Has your heart posture changed from the beginning when that started happening to now? What can you say about your heart? Me or David? You! Okay. As <laughs> <laughs> um, I said, you. I already know about David, so I'm talking about you. No, um, honestly, because I've realized that this is what marriage is like, where your money isn't your own. It's given purpose to the money. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's given, like, like, you're taking care of people. And people are trusting you and honestly that's better than what I used to have just money sitting there and I have like decisions for it I'll spend it anyhow I want it's like that was purposeless honestly like when that's why when we you know came together for this home it was that like exciting thing because it's like yeah there's literally there's just money sitting there here it let it go to something that is going to benefit everyone um, that like that one moment, and then later on, of course, I we did struggle with money, but it started building. It's like yeah, I'm able to come together with my family members, and we're able to take care of each other. And this is not the end. When you get into a relationship, when you get into a marriage, it's gonna continue. So okay, I'm gonna scratch your heart a little bit more. Huh? So remember that time when you came to me? I told you I'm very like I go in dimensions. Remember mm-hmm. the time when you came to me and you're like, oh man, I just so I asked you, like, what are you doing with your life? And what do you see yourself in? And you're like, I just want to buy a house mm-hmm. for myself. And I just want to do that. I felt like you were having heart issues at that moment. So what sparked that moment of realizing? Because the way you said it, was it kind of like, oh, yeah, I need, you sound like, oh, I just want to move out of this house. Mm, I think, <laughs> no, 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 I'm definitely ready for the next stage in my life, right? I'm uh-huh. not, I'm not, um, planning for me being here forever, right? Yes. Uh, so that's where that came from. It's like, right, even with David, we're like watching, um, well, not watching, but we watched uh, log houses being built. 
Mm -hmm. right? So we're sitting there like trying to design like say, okay, this is what our next house is going to look like. Like we, I have that vision, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not going to sit there and like, you know, just discount this that we have here, which mm -hmm. is, you know, the season of my life. And so that's why, I don't know if that answers your question. I feel like that's why I said that. I'm like, I want more, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's still that desire for more and I'm looking forward in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, yeah, and I want more for the next stage of my life with my wife, right? Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, like, I don't want to just buy a new house and then be by myself and live in it. Mm -hmm. Like, no, mm -hmm. I, I really don't want that. <laughs> I want to be in a relationship, I want to have my wife and set up, and then we come together and like design a house and do that next stage, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I, that's what I see. So, um, another question, um, my questions are very dimensional because um, the question, the next question to you is um, because your heart is very selfless. You have a heart that is selfless. You know that, right? That is like, you can feel your heart. Like I feel your heart all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, it makes me want to cry because your heart is very genuine. Like your heart is pure. Mm -hmm. And um, the Bible says, blessed are, the, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Um, it buckles me so much because and I want you to know that your life comes for more like everything that you do like you don't know what you do um, you do a lot for me it buckles me because I'm like whoa this guy he like selflessly you're very selfless even when you do your your, your little bills and stuff you're like oh there you go it's like you're very trustworthy mm -hmm. like you're trusted in that but of course I always tell you that everything has to be contained mm -hmm. in a sense you have to be structured and stuff like that mm -hmm. so um, of course, you do have issues and stuff like that. Those from you know whatever, but we're not gonna go on that part. But when it comes to just your heart, I believe that you're very pure. I think that's why one of my biggest worries, and I get concerned. I'm like, you when you meet a woman that is very um, sincere and genuine, that can lift your heart up as well and move you in that direction. I think that's one of my biggest prayer for you to have that woman that can carry that pure heart because. You're very selflessly, and your selflessly is going to bring increase, and it's going to bring dimensions, and it's going to bring wealth, and that's what I, you know, always get that in you because I get kind of like emotional because, um, and I'm just like, wow, this person sacrifices everything, and on your part, I, I actually never question about like your heart. Now I do question your heart though. Mm. You're looking around. <laughs> I do question you guys' hearts a lot. It has nothing to do with money, but it's how the heart moves. Does that make sense? It has nothing to do with money. It's just the motive of the heart. You can give something from the outside, but the motive of the history of the heart, that's what it is. It's the history of the heart. You can have character, but the history of everything. And that's why I try so hard to bring out those themes so you guys can see your heart. I'm here in my heart. I know my heart. Like I like to give and stuff like that and all that stuff. I don't have a problem with that. But for me, it's just dealing with people. That's why my heart is like dealing with character. I think one of the biggest things that Coriana showed me one time about my heart was she's like, sometimes you don't like to deal with certain things because you just don't want to deal with them. And that's true. I don't want to deal with them because I expect everybody to be on a certain level, right? That's basically what happened. I expect somebody to be in the maturity of like emotional level. I'm like, why am I dealing with this? And that's what it is. I lack patientness with the heart. So I'm like, you need to chop, 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 get it. Like, how many times am I going to make you realize this and that? 
So those are the things that we have to understand, like the motive of the heart. Sorry to put you on the bus, um, David, but the motive of the heart, sometimes I always feel like it's very, it's also very sneaky. Um, sometimes I get afraid, like, are you doing this out of genuineness? But I do know that you're a work in progress. Mm -hmm. So, and then the other thing is like, because I understand you like a lot of things and you like a thing. And sometimes it makes me feel kind of like not safe. So this is just for you when you get married. It makes me feel not safe. It doesn't matter now because I know God takes care of us. So it makes me feel not safe in a sense of like when it comes to finances. So the question to you, do you exalt your finances more than you would trust God? That's the issue that I have with you on that mm -hmm. part. What is your value when it comes to contrasting money and God? Do you put God higher to to trust him that in this season, I may not have more, but it's okay. This is what's going to happen. Um, or do you compare yourself because you're like, I need to be in this position. I need to have that. I need to do this, that, that kind of thing. The thing is, like, I see you guys saying, like, you know, I want to be millionaires and have so much money and stuff like that. But I don't feel that way. And I, it makes me feel weird because I'm like, uh, do I? I want to feel rich or whatnot, but besides the point, it's just like I've always had a thought or a heart of I want, I don't want to want anything. Mm -hmm. If I have a thought or if I want to go get something, I just get it, and I don't have to worry about okay, this this uh, I have to move these funds this way or this way, right? So I want to have enough mm -hmm. to the point where like if I think about something because. Yes, I will say I used to be the want, want, want something because back in high school, there was always that, oh, this would be, especially black high schools, they're mm -hmm. just so very possession filled. They want the shoes, they want the, you know, the cars. Like, I, mm -hmm. like even driving to school in dad's car felt great for those couple of weeks when he was in Africa because <laughs> literally everyone was like, no, your car is cool. I'm like, yes, yeah, not mine. But yeah. like, I get to drive it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then it's just like, it, it stems from that, right? Because I wanted what they had, I never got it, so now what am I doing? But these, being here in this house has actually taught me to want to, um, like, sacrifice, essentially. Like, at the beginning of the year, whenever I first got the job and everything, I started seeing the money come in, but then I started seeing the money go out. So <laughs> like, okay, that's... Uh, that's interesting. So then, like, maybe my heart wasn't, my, not maybe, my heart wasn't in it, definitely mm -hmm. not, but then I still gave the money. Mm -hmm. So then it's, it was that disconnect, always. Um, so then I started learning that uh, over time, when I, whenever every time the money came in but then went out, I started to see, okay, Philip was right about purpose and your money, right? So if the money's just sitting there, you're going to spend it. Um, and just like giving the money to a, a cause or, or putting the money towards something helps because it's just like, okay, I know that this money isn't for me um, and I need to give it out and I need to have it benefit somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's, and I'm glad to say that whenever I leave this house, I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna come together with my wife and we're gonna split everything and whatever she needs, she gets and, and whatnot. And I'm not gonna hide my accounts or anything like she's gonna have access to all of that my password whatever it is but yeah it, being here has actually taught me that it's, it's just it's not my being secretive it's not yeah like it's not gonna help me in any way shape or form even when um, I found out that 
I was actually taking too much of which were like 300 something dollars of my bills. And so then I went back into my spreadsheet and I saw, oh, these things I don't have to pay for anymore. Mm -hmm. I went to Philip and I said, yeah, dude, sorry, I, had, I didn't realize this, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. then we, we recalculated and then we actually found out we were getting more money back, right? Yeah. So, so I think that creates openness. I think the whole point, what the Holy Spirit has been doing is to be vulnerable. Like, what are you hiding? Because it searches your heart, even in the little secrets. It just shows you your heart. Like, in this moment, somebody's laying down their life for me to be okay. Mm -hmm. But why should I be secretive for my life when it's not fair for the other person? So it comes in purity, equality, right? Mm -hmm. In understanding that if we're all in this together, things have to balance up. Mm -hmm. I can't do things out of my own uh, deceptive heart, you know? And then that's where it comes. Yes, it's very tempting to do that and then yes it goes like for me i would say that it's you know the issue of not being able to contribute for me i think god had to break my pride and go like you need to fall down so you can understand that you need to be vulnerable and accepting does that make sense because i was hard like i'm a go-getter okay that's how it works mm -hmm. so now when it goes to um you know rachel um one of the biggest things that i've always learned about your heart is that your heart is not open. Your heart is very closed. And I call it, you're very difficult. You know, it is as hard that that sounds, you're a difficult person. Uh, basically what difficult people do is um, they have a hard time. They're busy listening to what people are saying, but yet they will not share the most deepest fear of their hearts. So therefore you will not reach over whatever it is that your heart has issue of because you're not open. And my heart is like, I've always been open to you, my heart. I've always displayed my heart very openly, and I've always shared that intimacy with you. But therefore, um, and I used to think, I was like, maybe it's because, you know, you know, the bruises that I've made for you. But I was like, I've always had bruises, but if I know that my heart is like this, I need to be open. They're like simplest questions. I think one of the questions that you ever asked me, do you, um, what is it? And I, this is a study that I was doing to myself. It was like, do you tolerate me? I think that's a word you say. Do you tolerate me? Do you just deal with me? That's basically what you were asking. And I was telling you, I was like, no. Like, do you just love me just to love me or whatever? And I said, no. So I kept on asking the Holy Spirit. I was like, that question is very deep. You know, I was like, do, do I love my sister? And I was like, yeah, I do love my sister. I was like, but what causes me to act the way I act? And I noticed that your heart is difficult. Difficult people can be penetrated through. That's what it is. So when you are very difficult to handle, people tend to avoid you because they don't know what to do because you're not letting them in. And in part of it, I don't know what it is that causes you to be that way, but it's I always feel like it's not fair that I trust you with my heart, but you are not trusting me with your heart. I am not a perfect person. Of course, I'm gonna hurt you. I'm gonna do everything else. But at the same time, it comes on to wasting everything else. I remember one time, um, who was that? Koreana. Koreana is the one who actually showed me. Koreana is also a difficult person, but she's also a vulnerable person. You're missing vulnerability in your hearts. That's what you're missing. Um, you, and then part of your heart is like, on the outside, how your heart is like for other people who are not attached to anything else, you're more vulnerable to them. Because in the inside of the heart, which is us, uh, you tend to be more um, bashful about it because you expect them to be more lenient and understanding, but you're not giving that understanding. Does that make sense? 
that you're not giving that understanding. You're not telling us how to love you with your hearts because you're not vulnerable for us to know how your heart works. So and that's basically what happens. You're not teaching us how your heart works. So therefore this, because your heart doesn't, is not open. So therefore everything is stuck. So everything is one-sided. It just becomes, you know, people don't understand me. People don't love me. People don't do that. It's not that people don't love you. It's because you're not vulnerable. I'll give you an example again. Uh, from a person that is um, allowing, you know, God to move, I'll give you Coriana. Last time when her heart, I was having issues, heart issues with her. But because I'm very vulnerable, I went to talk to her and I said, hey, Coriana, I just need to understand what you're, what's in your heart. These are my feelings that I'm feeling, and this is what I'm discerning, and this is what what's going on in my mind. I just want you to tell me where are we going with this relationship? You know, and I gave her room to talk, and then she was like, "Oh, this is how I was feeling." She told me all the explanation of how she was feeling, and if some of the stuff that I was feeling, yes, was right. On on top of that, but she was able to tell me her heart and how. Yes, I was bad at you. Yes, um, I didn't appreciate what you said. Yes, this is what you told me about yourself, and I didn't like the way you did this. Yes. It's kind of telling somebody, I didn't like the way you treated me this way. I didn't like you. She was open about it, even though it took time. But she, when I asked her straightforward, she was able to confess whatever was in her heart, the issues that was in her heart, everything that I offended her with. And then I was able to bridge over and say, oh, okay. And that softened the heart. So I know she tells me, well, I didn't like the fact that you posted that post over there you know i felt like you felt this way she was able to explain her heart to me and what was going on what caused her to act the same way like you told me last time maybe she needed more time so i gave her that time but the time was getting too over time so i needed to know where we were where the time ends is this the last time that we're gonna communicate or do we bridge over and that's where healing came from right nobody's perfect you know she told me she had bitterness in her heart about me i discerned that but because of the vulnerability of the heart she was able to tell me everything that was hidden in her as a person i'm gonna forgive her and i'm gonna go like okay you're my friend we talked about it over and over now if the heart is not cleared on that part we bring up the same issue again until everything gets healed the same issue again and that's basically what happened but for you rachel i believe i don't know what causes you not to be vulnerable but you're very difficult and that's what i wanted to use i asked the holy spirit about it and i was like what causes her to be like this and then i was like it's because you're very difficult and you don't want to penetrate through. So therefore, things bounce back and people get tired of trying and they just stop in that part. But because I love you, I always push more and more and more and more and more until, you know, God one day answers, until you break. And sometimes I have to push you to the point of anger and then but that's, that's when you run. But that's not the right way. Hmm? That's not the right way. No, I understand that. But what I'm trying to tell you is this is not trying to, you know, bring any, like, anything or anything like that. I'm just trying to show everybody's hearts, okay? It's not trying to pick on you or anything like that. I'm trying to explain to you why that is. I mean, David, can you help me? Because you always, you okay. can help me on that part. Um, what's the right way then? Because if you can tell us, like, what the right way is. That's what I told you. You have to teach people how to love you. Yeah. Love is taught. Anything you hate is taught. Anything is taught. You have to give people boundaries. Because like, whenever I'm like, like, whenever someone comes to me for advice, and I'm like, I, if I know that person cannot handle certain things, I won't tell them these certain things, but I'll try to word it in a way that they can 
grasping, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if someone does has like a weak heart, I'm not gonna say you need to stop doing this because you suck. No, I'm <laughs> gonna say it in a way that they can fully digest it. Mm-hmm. So like, um, if talking helps you, and, you know, but at the same time, if talking helps you, you have to be as talkative as you can. Mm-hmm. We can't read minds, no one can. Mm-hmm. So Nobody can know but what's in your heart. Huh? It's not about being talkative. Yeah. It's about talking what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. See, the problem you confuse talking with just being genuine. You know what I'm saying? There's the difference between genuineness and talking. I can talk all day long. I can talk about anything that I want. You know, I talk about you know relationships or anything else. But whenever the heart is hurting, there are moments where you just come to somebody and go like, okay, dude, this is how I'm feeling. This is how you offended me. That is genuine. Talking about your heart. Like I told you about Korean incidents. I gave her some time and I said, okay, there's too much time in here. When is the right moment where I know that? Are you being sincere about a relationship or you are not? Does that make sense? So you, it's a heart check. So I went to her and I asked her, okay, girl, I'm calling you because what is going on? Did you forgive me? Did you not forgive me? You know, why are you acting like this? Like, tell me what's going on. Why are you treating me the way you're treating me? Those are the questions that you so the heart opens up and says, the reason why I said this is because of this. This is what happened. So everything just comes out. Does that make sense? Because the person sees the value in that person's heart too. And they go like, okay, this person wants to know. If I really call myself a friend, then I have to open up for whatever it is. She gave me some, some time and yes, she acknowledged, yes, I'm sorry that I did not open up the first time because this, this is why I didn't open up. So it's explaining why you did this thing because there's, there's some time. I feel like it's condescending when you don't, you're not explaining what, how you're feeling. It's kind of like telling somebody, well, I don't care if, even if, you know, you're not going to understand me. So basically, you're, rub, you're pushing people off because you don't want to let them in your heart. So you go like, yeah, I don't, you know, you're not going to understand me. But the problem is that you are not the one who's opening up your heart. So we can't understand you when you're not talking. Right. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, I thought you were trying to say something. Mm-hmm. Who, you? No, her. You were trying to say something. Okay, but um, when I was going through the list of things that people, you know, do to vent, right, talking, whatever it is, if you're not a talkative person, then you need to get to the point, right? If Liamba, no offense, I'm not trying to offend you. That's all right, go ahead. Whenever Liamba talks, it's very, um, you, you have to understand where her point is. Even if she doesn't get to it in time, you can formulate that point because she's going to add other things in there and maybe get distracted and whatnot. But <laughs> at the same time, like you still get the point. For you, um, I guess it's you having to break that barrier of you know beating around the bush instead of just get straight to what is wrong in the moment. 